Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally here And I can feel the change in the way right now Nothing's in my way Dr. Jess Ryan coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. How's everybody tonight? Listen, I want to uh, do a little acknowledgement here. Um, you notice that faith of the heart that I usually use the uh, uh, Star Trek Enterprise theme. Um, one of my patients, Tom, and I can't mention his last name, but this brilliant guy actually redid this so it faded out correctly. I'm usually just trying to pull the thing down and then I hit it and it always sounds terrible, but, uh, thank you, Tom. It actually, it actually sounds great, you know, and remember that the purpose of our show is to inform and empower people with, uh, chronic illnesses. Cause I really do believe that you are the strongest people in creation. Um, we have a special guest tonight, you know, over the years that I've been doing the show, uh, we've been looking to give you good information and there was one area that has been um, lost, okay? Something that I keep getting asked about, and it's not that I push it off to the side, but, you know, like anybody else, I have a limit of knowledge in certain areas. And um, when I met our guest, I realized that she is a consultant, an environmental consultant, uh, and basically what she does is she's a healthy building and indoor environmental consultant and a certified um, biologist, I'm not even going to tell you how much I massacred that word. Okay. And um, basically what she does, and I'm going to read her whole bio for you in a moment, uh, is uh, consult with um, people, newer prospective parents. And let me read her, let me read her bio. I mean, this, this is really, really interesting. And I think this is going to be very, very, very uh, important because uh, everybody wants to know how to create a good environment, but all of us don't know how. And then when you go to different websites and you know who's selling what and you, you never know who to believe. It's like, you know, how do I check my house for mold? Well, if you go to a company that's associated with a mold remediation company, <laughs> they're going to find mold. All right. Let's not. Okay. So anyway, our guest is Mary Codero and is a healthy building and an indoor environmental consultant since 1989. and is a certified bowel biologist. Again, I'm not going to tell you how much I've massacred that word. Uh, Mary helps her clients create safe and healing homes and workplaces to facilitate lowering the body burden of pollutants, most importantly for the developing fetus, small children, and those who are recovering from illness. Her clients include newer prospective parents who want their children to start out in a healthy environment or those who suffer from allergies, asthma, chemical mold, and electrical sensitivities. 
Her collaborative approach is unique, synthesizing the fields of German biology and American building science. She works with and often directs a world-class team of environmental specialists to diagnose and solve indoor air quality problems in homes and offices. Uh, for remodels and new construction, she specifies healthy building and interior materials. Mary consults and teaches homeowners, architects, and interior designers, contractors, physicians, and health professionals. Uh, just so you know, biology is a field from Germany is a study of how living and work environments systems. And this is the first time we're even approaching the subject. And she is, uh, just to let you know right off the bat, Mary is not selling anything. Okay, she doesn't, she's not representing a company. She's not selling anything. She's just here to inform, and she's going to let, um, we're going to have plenty of time for questions at the end, and this is going to be one of a few podcasts that we're doing because the subject matter is massive. So, uh, everybody, welcome, Mary. Thank you, Dr. Jess. I'm just thrilled to, uh, to have our first podcast together. Really excited and honored to be invited. Well, I like I was telling you just before the show, we're, we're honored to have you here because this is an area that people really want to know about, need to know about, and um, the information out there is, it's not that it's sparse, you just don't know who to believe, you know, and, and of course, this usually involves a lot of money, so um, it's nice to know that there's someone like yourself who is a consultant that really knows your stuff, who's very, very um, significantly um, trained and, um, you know, is passion is creating safe environments. So um, kind of, if you would tell us a little bit how you got into this, what it takes to be a bell biologist, which you just taught me how to pronounce, because uh, I was thinking babylologist and I really didn't want, I didn't know where to put the accent in the word and nowhere I looked gave me a good way of going. <laughs> you know, I knew it was a German word and I know how they can be. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about, tell us a little bit about what you do. Okay. Well, I, actually got started in this field um, uh, in the late 80s when I myself had quite a number of environmental sensitivities, including chemical sensitivity. And, of course, now, all these many years later, thanks to incredible doctors like you, we know more about the trajectory for all of that. But at the time, um, this was the early days, way early days, of environmental sensitivities and I, the, I think what pushed me over the edge, the last, the straw that broke the camel's back for me was being in a high-rise, a, you know, a brand-new high-rise when I was a, in, in court, doing corporate work. I had a whole other career before this. And um, I became quite ill, actually. I wasn't really able to function very well, and I was, um, I came, my husband actually came across um, a brand new school that had just come here from Germany, and um, it's quite different now. But at the time, it was uh, pretty much mostly Germans teaching out of it. Uh, some of whom I'm still working with and in touch with, so I'm much more affiliated with the German uh, version or the German school now. And um, I really did it for myself and for you know for us, so that we could create a healthy environment and. Um, immediately, though, just I think within the first year of starting to study it, I actually started to do work. Uh, I was invited by another biologist to start working on a medical clinic 
you know, specifying healthier materials and so forth. And that was a big leap for me back then. But basically, you know, that was before the field of green was even invented. It was just the color back then. And what, what I well said. What I realized uh, very early on, and and I think you know this is very analogous to integrative medicine. I realized very early that uh, that I had to be a generalist. If uh, there was no way I could be a yes. specialist in all yes. the areas, yes. right? Thank you. And so. Thank you. So when I finished with just as so many, you know, brilliant doctors like you find, once you finish with the basic training, then the real training starts. And you spend many years cross-training in lots of different fields, um, realizing that you have to also form a collaborative, right? So Mm -hmm. what I did was I became a specialist and a generalist. I trained in all the cross, uh, cross-trained in all the related fields, so, you know, mold, electromagnetic fields, uh, chemicals, air conditioning, heating, ventilation, you know, basically there's a big long list of subcategories, interior furnishings. Then I became a specialist over time in um, materials and products for building homes, remodeling homes, and furnishing homes. And, you know, I really think it took about 10 years um, to go through all that and to get enough experience and to really get a solid team down um, with the specialists who do what they do full-time in their specialization, um, integrating everybody so that, you know, one person doesn't create another problem. I mean, it's just like the body. You know, if you detox and your pathways are blocked, you create a bigger problem in the body than before you detoxed. It's the same with the house. One person can go in and fix something and create havoc uh, and pollutants in other areas. Mm-hmm. So the specialists have to be integrated, um, meaning they all have to work together. So I became like the hub for the specialists, with, like, you know, the, um, the general for everybody. I'm the GP. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the specialty in products and materials, and I work on, I consult to homeowners all over the country, sometimes internationally, once in a great while. Um, so, you know, I'm really working uh, remotely quite a bit of the time, um, and I'm also working uh, locally. And the people that actually go on site and and do things like, you know, get test samples for mold or test for EMS or whatever that is, those are the specialists that go out there. And I'm I'm just sticking it all together, basically. So that's um, that's sort of in a nutshell how I got to where I am today. It's um, it's it's not something that most people want to take on. Most people are more comfortable as specialists. I'm sure you found that to be true. It's Um, actually easier. You know, they talk about being a jack of all trades and master of none. And really what a generalist is, is a jack of all trades and master of every one of them and knows where to point. You know, somebody's got to oversee. Somebody's got to be the general. Somebody's got to oversee this whole thing. And that's the Mm -hmm. biggest problem we have an environment and a medicine today is that nobody wants to be the general. Everybody wants to be, well, they may want their own little platoon, but they don't want to be the general. And exactly. that takes bravery and it takes a lot of training and 
you have to be willing to work in shades of gray and not, you know, <laughs> in other That's words, you right. have to be willing, willing, willing to think, you know. Yeah, you have to really be willing to think and to, you know, kind of go beyond your comfort level. And and the key is to is to line yourself up with people who are brilliant at what they do and who are open to the integration. And I know that you've done that, and that's what I've done over the many years. Um, one of the biggest things I have found, uh, two things, just to address what you said about, you know, not knowing who to trust on the Internet, and that's very true. I would say the two biggest stumbling blocks to that are, uh, one, that green building is not always healthy. So when you go online and you look at products, whether it's to remodel your house or paint your house or buy an air filter, whatever it is, right, um, it's, it's touted usually as green, and there's so much more to find out about than what's um, marketed. The marketing spin can sound one way when what's really going on is something very different with a product, but people don't know which questions to ask. How could they? Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have training in it. So that's one area, the myth about green being healthy. And the second one is um, with the building, and this is another analogy to medicine, um, very few people who work on buildings in either the green industries, you know, green building, or even inspectors, believe it or not, particularly mold inspectors, really understand the physics of the house. This would be like a doctor not knowing physiology. Most people who work with buildings don't know how the house works as an organism. And what I mean by that is the pressures, there are pressures in the house Mm -hmm. that push and pull air and move air and move moisture. And there's an interrelationship between those pressures, the materials, and moisture, for example, and unless you know, it's like the physiology of the house. If you don't know how that works, you can make what sounds like a great recommendation and end up with a disaster. So that field, of, it's called building science, or the physics of how the building works, is a field that um, everybody on our team has studied very deeply um, with the top guru in the country. And then we have, you know, I have taken that knowledge and applied it to the use of non-toxic materials and so forth. So um, those are, I think, two of the biggest gaps, I think, and why it's so confusing and hard for people to really make decisions, wise decisions about purchasing something from the Internet or using advice from the Internet. Just like the medicine, good thing, so similar. The good thing about what you're saying is that, you know, admittedly it's a very complex field. But in any complex field, we have to – there are basics to start working with, okay? Right. And um, <clears throat> and I think as a as kind of an overview, we should start talking about basics. And um, what are the major components? If, if we wanted to look at, you know, let's say you're a new couple, you're thinking of having children, or mm-hmm. you're looking to buy a house, what are some of the basics that you want to consider Okay. Uh, like when you're walking and looking at, at at an environment for your family. Okay, sure. That's a great question. Well, before I answer that, let me just quickly give you the long list of contributors and how mm-hmm. all of that boils down to the top steps to look at the top concern. You know what you can actually do. Um, the top contributors um, to any building, to the health of any building, 
are, um, I'll just list them quickly, and we, you know, we can go into more detail in future shows. But, of mm-hmm. course, there would be um, VOCs. Those are the volatile organic compounds from materials, that some which go away, some which never go away, or don't go away for many years. There's, of course, formaldehyde. That's not considered a VOC. It's a separate category. There are SVOCs. Those are semi-volatile organic compounds, which are chemicals that have no smell, uh, usually for most people, and they never go away. In fact, they get the levels get higher over time, believe it or not. Those mm-hmm. would be like flame retardants, um, plasticizers, which are endocrine mimickers. I'm sorry, estrogen mimicker, mimickers. Um, mm-hmm. biocides, pesticides, those types of things. Then we have outdoor pollution, which, believe it or not, can become quite concentrated in the indoor environment, so we have to consider outdoor pollution. We have uh, poor ventilation and heating and cooling systems. Uh, we have, of course, lead. As we know, there's no safe levels of lead. Now we know that. We have mm-hmm. mold and moisture, and then we have electromagnetic fields. So those are the, really the, the, that's the laundry list of contributors. So when I boil all that down to the top five steps, um, or let's just say top five categories of steps, here's how I boil it all down for somebody who's just getting started. The easiest things to start with are non-toxic cleaning products, and non-toxic personal products. I know that's not doesn't sound like it has to do with the building, but actually it really does. Um, because, of course, you know, cleaning products you're using all the time or quite frequently, so that's a very big source of uh, airborne contaminants as well as contaminants that can affect you uh, through your skin. So you have and through inhalation. So you have a couple routes of the exposure there. Same with personal products. Uh, any any personal products that you are putting on your skin, they actually go in your body. They don't stay on your skin, uh, on the outside of your body, because your skin absorbs. And they are also sources of airborne contaminants as well. And there's, you know, great big long list of, chem- of chemistry for both of those areas. And, um, you know, at some time today I can, I can give you my top favorites. I don't obviously sell them, um, but happy to share those. Um, the third is uh, controlling dust. Controlling dust, why would we do that? Not just because you're allergic to dust. You may not be allergic to dust, or you could be, or you could be dust mite sensitive. There's a huge reason, though, to control dust beyond those reasons, beyond being, have, you know, having an, uh, an allergy response to dust, and that is uh, chemicals. And this is the area almost nobody, you know, knows about. Uh, and that is that those chemicals that I mentioned earlier that don't go away ever, are, that have no odor and the levels get higher over time in the environment until the source is removed, those chemicals stick to house dust. So if you have a source in your home, let's say you have um, foam padding, F-O-A-M, foam padding under your carpet. You have wall-to-wall carpet with foam underneath. That foam padding has uh, flame retardant chemicals in it. They're organophosphate flame retardants. 
eventually they will be banned. But right now they're perfectly legal and sometimes even required. They're also in many building materials. But that's just we'll just use that one example. Um, what happens is as the, the product ages uh, and, of course, gets locked on and breaks down over time, more and more of these chemicals uh, release or unbind from the source, and then they find something to stick onto. To, so they're unbinding and then binding to something else. And what they're binding to are surfaces where they can become kind of embedded, and then they're also in, uh, uh, binding to dust, house dust. So what you have um, are higher and higher levels in the dust, and the dust becomes respirable, uh, so you inhale it, and you can it, consume it through your mouth. It also Some of the chemicals in house dust are also um, dermally sensitizing. So these SVOCs come from lots of different places, which I will go into. I'm just kind of giving you the overview right now. Mm -hmm. um, that's why we control dust, and we control dust with, you know, air filtration, certain kinds of vacuums, not wearing shoes in the house because that brings in more SVOCs, semi-volatile organic compounds, and so forth. So that's the third. So the first one was cleaning products, non-toxic cleaning. Second's non-toxic personal products. The third is controlling dust. The fourth is filtering and diluting the indoor air. And what that means is, um, you know, we all, there's very few people who have perfect homes with perfect air, probably less than 1% of the homes in the U.S. Hmm. So um, either because of outdoor air or the way the building is built and the interior furnishings, you know, or both. So what happens when it's like not drinking enough water? If you don't dilute the body or, you know, the contaminants in the body with water, you know, you're, it's all going to build up, right? You've got to keep flushing. Same with right. the health. Um, we need to dilute that indoor air because basically, um, especially during times when we're heating and cooling because it's too hot or cool out, cold outside and the windows and doors are closed, everything basically becomes more and more concentrated. And in outdoor polluted environments, the house is actually sucking in, in many cases, pollutants from the outdoors as well. So you, in our, you know, our ventilation systems and heating and cooling systems, they don't bring in dilution unless I work on the project uh, or my colleagues. So you're basically just recirculating all the same air, and that air is now being contributed to by all the things I listed, and it just gets recirculated and more concentrated. So dilution is very important. If you if you don't have allergies to outdoor air pollens and so forth, and you're not in a highly contaminated urban air ur, urban environment, then of course, or you know, uh, or agricultural where there's pesticide drift, then you just open the windows, <laughs> get a lot of fresh air ventilation, you know, going um, fresh air exchange, exchanging bad air for good air, just like drinking water, you know. Mm -hmm. um, if you're if you're in an environment where you can't flush the house or it's too hot or too cold, then there are other things to do, which I will go into more detail on some of, so hopefully today. Um, 
And then the last big area to look at is, which is definitely future show, looking for sources of and eliminating or reducing lead and mold exposure. And that is, those are those are um, super important. I think we need to do a, a whole talk just on mold. But there are things that the average person can do right away to, you know, lower their exposure immediately. And, and that actually is covered in the control dust <laughs> section because when you're controlling dust, uh, you're also, and you're, you know, doing it certain things that I'll prescribe, you're also lowering the indoor levels, uh, indoor air levels of lots of things, not just chemicals. So it all kind of boils down to that in a way, um, and I think that would be a, a really good thing to go into more detail on today. Okay. Well, I'll leave it up to you because I, I can see that this is um, <laughs> this can really get um, uh, really get extensive, and um, and I'm really happy and, and very appreciative that you've agreed to do a few shows for us. Uh, this uh, just so I can tell everybody, anybody who wants to call in and ask Mary a question, it's six four six. Five nine five two two seven seven. That's six four six five nine five two two seven seven. If you're in the chat room, just go ahead and type a question out, and I will ask her. I'll ask Mary um, when there's a break in um, in what she's saying. So, Mary, pick um, okay, pick the kind yeah. of the most. You know, I, I know I know what my what my mommies are going to ask. They want to know about non toxic cleaning products, yep. non toxic uh, personal products. Yeah. Um, you know, controlling dust. Um, mm-hmm. I'm 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 not letting anybody in my house until I you know take the dog and you know uh, vacuum him too because I didn't realize the dust was <laughs> you know like he's not going to like it. But that's what can I say? Like, Stand there. <laughs> I used to try and vacuum cats. That wasn't easy. You have to step <laughs> on their tail back. But actually, it does pretty good because they're going, and then all the hair comes out, you know? And then you can just you know, vacuum it up real good. And uh, they don't really particularly um, like it, but, you know, you know what cats are. They really can't take a joke. Right. You know, but uh, dogs are a little bit better about it. But, um, yeah, uh, I didn't realize, you know, I always knew that dust wasn't good. I had honestly never knew why. So I've yeah, well, that's- dirty. Mhm that's a big reason and we 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 all need to control dust but let's start with the low hanging fruit the easy stuff Hey you the, the, you know this is where everybody should really start and that's with your non toxic cleaning and personal products so I'll make this really really simple first i want to say um once you convert over to a whole new way of cleaning your house and and putting personal products on your body. Once you do that, you need to get rid of all the stuff that's toxic and not just stick it in the back of the cupboard. So this is a very important point as part of detoxing is just detoxing the house and lowering your body burden of pollutants. Get the toxic products out of the house. Because they don't just stay in the bottle, believe it or not. Um, you know how you walk down a uh, cleaning cleaning aisle in a regular grocery department, and you can get kind of really whacked by those odors. Well, you. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's what's happening in your cupboard, and it doesn't stay in your cupboard. So um, just want to say that right up front: uh, toxic cleaning, toxic personal products, and maintenance products. 
paint, caulks, lubricants, all that stuff you use to fix your house should not be in the house. Um, you know, if you put it in the garage or uh, stick it in a little shed outside or get some airtight containers and, you know, put them in the little condo garage area if you have a little space to do that. But get them out of your house, particularly if you're um, recovering from illness or you are you have small children or you're pregnant or you're planning to be pregnant. Um, but everybody should do that. So sources of non-toxic cleaning department uh, cleaning uh, products, there everybody's probably heard of, well, maybe not, Environmental Working Group. It's called EWG.org. So, again, EWG.org. And they have a cleaning product database uh, which lists the best highly rated down to the worst. And um, you can go to your health food store and uh and and you know even target uh and costco places like this are now selling some of the larger brands seventh generation is a good brand to get you can look on ewg.org to see what they rate as the least toxic and um before you buy it that's another thing you can do uh so you have a full database and the way ewg works is the best products are rated as a zero, and the next best is a number one. I would try and get the zero products as much as you can, and if mm-hmm. you need to go into the one, that's okay. That, that that would be preferable. You can also make your own totally non-toxic cleaning products for you know very little money using baking soda, white distilled vinegar, super washing soda by Arm & Hammer, um, you know, very basic, basic, inexpensive uh, items at the at the grocery store. Ace Hardware sells super washing soda, and then you can go online and just type in "make your own non toxic products" using those ingredients. There's a million recipes on the internet for that, and you don't have to spend much money at all, and they work fine. So, um, so that's that's basically what I would start with. And I would also start with eliminating again the um, and and converting over to non-toxic personal products, and um, that that is a huge part of living a healthy life. Very very huge. Environmental Working Group has also a what's called a Skin Deep Cosmetic Safety Database. So you just go to ewg.org and you'll see Skin Deep, and they rate personal products the same way. I would go for the zeros and the ones if you can, but I'll tell you I could make it really simple for you for the you know anything that goes on the body short of makeup and that is one line that I find covers it for most people and I don't sell it and I don't get paid to say anything about this so just so you know, but it's called keys k e y s dash soap.com keys-soap.com. I actually do know the owner. I know what his criteria are. Um, he actually, uh, I don't know of any other company, there could be, but I don't know of any other company that literally, um, te- they cr- um, they spot check their batches of um, raw materials because what they're finding is even organic certified still end up with some, um, you know, contaminants in them like parabens, believe it or not. 
You, I mean, mm-hmm. you wouldn't think. Mm-hmm. So this is a super clean product line. Most chemically sensitive people do okay with it, not all, because it does have some natural oils in it. Uh, natural products have natural odors. So I wouldn't call them odorless. Um, they haven't been st- the f- the fragrances, not fragrances, but the smells from the natural materials in them have not been stripped out. They're just purely natural. But I still find that a lot of chemically sensitive people do well with them. Obviously, you can order something and test yourself on it first if you're super sensitive. But if you want to go real, if you want to make it super down and dirty simple, look at that product line. They even have some replacements for makeup foundation, believe it or not. They have pet products. That's another important thing to convert over to is non-toxic pet products, because not only for your pet but for you. Uh, if you're using anything toxic on your pet, it's getting on you and it's in your house. So no they also about can- that. Mm-hmm. So those two things, those are the two big places to start for anybody new to this area. Um, and again, purge the house of all the toxic products. Once you have everything you need to replace the toxic products, super important for the healthy house, and it really goes a long way. Um, um, one one quick one quick ahead. thing about sunscreens because it's in the personal product list. There are very few non-toxic sunscreens out there that work. So I just want to say what these are really quickly because it's really hard to figure out what to use. If you need a waterproof sunscreen that's absolutely non-toxic, um, there is a, a really great one made by Badger, B-A-D-G-E-R, um, and they make a, a, a very good waterproof um, sunscreen. If you don't need it to be waterproof, uh, and it can even go under your foundation or anywhere on your body. Uh, Keys makes a product called Solar RX, S-O-L-A-R-R-X, with a space in between solar and RX. And mm-hmm. um, it, it actually works, and it's totally clean and totally non-toxic. Um, really, really good ingredients. So those are those are the that's the sort of end of my personal product scene, but I wanted to make sure to get that in there because it's a big issue for a lot of people. Since we're on the, um, since you had mentioned um, animals, is there a non-toxic uh, good thing to use on animals to prevent or treat fleas? That's a really good question, um, and a really um, tough thing to control, isn't it? Um, because Dogs mm-hmm. go without outside. Getting into yeah, yeah dogs without getting into heavy-duty chemicals. Exactly. So the dogs go outside and the fleas jump on them. Mm-hmm. And so the, I'll tell you, there it's not. It's this is the this is the way you totally avoid all chemicals. Um, otherwise, you're going to have to use something with chemicals in it if you if you can't do all this. So. If you have cats, it's easy. Keep them indoors. <laughs> it's not good to have them go out anyway in most urban environments because they get injured. Um, mm-hmm. But for dogs, it's another story. So basically, the Keys line, they make something that whenever you take the dog out, right before you leave, um, you can kind of like spread the stuff around on them, just quickly, you know, fluff it through their fur and um, which repels the fleas. It's a fantastic product. Then 
um, when they before they come in, um, you know, you 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 know, if you want to be on the extra extra safe side, you could brush them down before they come in. But basically, they should be pretty well. They should be pretty good if you use that on them before they leave the house. There, they also make a shampoo for dogs that has some of the same ingredients in them again for repelling fleas. Um, there's more to it than that, though, because then there's, you know, that's not, there's nothing that's 100% fail-safe. So besides that, um, you want to basically keep the environment free of fleas by, um, you know, certain mechanical things that you can put in place. So frequent vacuuming with an air-sealed HEPA vac will go into into vacuums in, in a while or on the, maybe on the next show, depending on how far we get. Um, and that will help to catch anything that may have slipped through the cracks, you know, uh, even though you're using these products. But I would say if you go to the keys-soap.com product, you will find everything you need there to really keep the flea population eliminated or down as far as possible. So you talked about vacuums. Um, mm-hmm. what, are the, what are the better vacuums to catch everything? Okay, vacuums, that's, that's, a, that's a, a, a good one to talk about. So what happens with a regular vacuum is it sucks up the stuff you can see and then it blows out everything you can't see. Right. That's how, that's how vacuums work. Cause, and there are vacuums with special allergy bags in them, and there are also vacuums with HEPA filters in them. But if the vacuum isn't airtight, air-sealed we call it, it doesn't matter how good the filter is or the bag is, everything blows out anyway. Yeah, or a I lot of it. the cheaper ones. Yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> like unfortunately, it's the cheaper ones, right? So um, I, there are a few brands that our team has tested that we know are, are airtight. They're air-sealed. Um, they're not the cheapest ones, unfortunately, and I'm, I'm sure everyone can kind of understand why, right? There's a lot more mm-hmm. work into going into making one that's truly air-sealed. So um, they're the first, uh, I'll, I'll work my way um, from the top down. Uh, so anybody who is highly chemically sensitive or highly has a lot of allergies, um, or they can, and they can afford it. <laughs> the best filter to get if you don't have wall-to-wall car- I'm sorry, vacuum to get if you don't have wall-to-wall carpet is called a Nilfisk. It's an N is in Nancy I L F is in Frank I S K Nilfisk G M as in Mary eighty eight zero. It's actually, believe it or not, a abatement. Um, Rated, meaning, uh, you know, if you had a little lead dust in the house or something, it's it's so tight, you know, that you could vacuum with that. Um, it's also got a lot of metal, so it's not a lot of plastic to smell and bother people. For people mm-hmm. who have wall-to-wall carpet, though, that won't work. So there's um, another one, again, made by Nilfisk. I'm, I'm going to work my way from higher end to lower end. It's called a G and then D as in dog 930 uh, with a, a power attachment for wall-to-wall carpeting. Again, G, D as in David 930 with a power attachment for wall-to-wall carpeting. Um, Nilfisk has a website. It's nilfisk.com. Um, and you can look online for the, you know, the, whoever's selling them the cheapest 
um, but you can read about more of the technical details on their website. The next one down is a more well-known company called Miele. It's just M-I-E-L-E. M is in Mary, I-E-L-E. They make um, HEPA vacuums. They make HEPA vacuums that are air-sealed, and they make them that are not air-sealed. So if you're looking at Miele, you really have to make sure to look at the ones that are both HEPA, H-E-P-A, and they say air clean sealed. So both HEPA and air clean sealed. Um, then going into a lower cat a lower um, cost, and I wouldn't, you know, none of these are like down and dirty cheap, right? But this is a less expensive than the other ones I've given you. Is um, the, a couple of units made by Electrolux. Now these have a lot more plastic in them. Um, they may not last as long, but they we did test them and with particle counters, and they seem to be pretty good, mm-hmm. pretty tight. One is Electrolux Ultra One, all one word, Ultra One Signet S I G N E T, or the Ultra One Classic HEPA. Uh, both are HEPA. So again, that was the Ultra One Signet or the Ultra One Classic HEPA. Um, so those are all the ones that we've tested. I'm sure there's others out there that are air sealed, uh, other HEPA vacs. But you know, we're all really tiny, specialized companies, and we can't keep up with the products uh, as they're changing all the time. So th- these are the ones we recommend. Well, you're right. They're expensive. I'm looking them up as you're. Um... But yeah. you know, when you're if you're gonna you know do it, you gotta do it. Um, yeah, I would say this is a super important purchase, especially um, for people who have wall-to-wall carpet, especially. But anybody, you know, because again, it's lowering your body burden of both dust and chemicals. Gotcha. Wonderful. Amazing. Okay. Yeah, um, and also, you know, we'll go into more about controlling dust in a in a few minutes. But um, uh, um, you know, there's there's one more kind of low f- hanging fruit I wanna <laughs> I wanna point out about people just beginning to um, clean up their houses and make them healthier, and that is plastic. Um, this there is a, a one big source of plastic uh that that is you know gets into the body and that's what we eat and drink with and you know plastic is um something that can be very convenient for many reasons it can also be very toxic i mean there's studies now that show that even the the so-called less least toxic plastic which is the number one plastic used for um bottled water even that may be putting uh, endocrine-mimicking chemicals into the water. So what you want to do, you know, in addition to the cleaning products and personal products, is now slowly replace plastic, food storage, um, and beverage uh, items, cooking, anything that food and beverage touches. Uh, and replace it with non-toxic versions. The the best is glass. 
um, mm-hmm. especially for food storage um, and beverages. And then if you if you can't avoid it, then go to stainless steel uh, or enamel on on uh, on metal. But best is always glass. I mean, you can even you, you can even get um, they're not totally break proof, but they're pretty good. The um, Life Factory water bottles have a silicone sleeve over the glass uh, unit that holds all the you know the beverages. That that would be really best for those people who really absolutely cannot avoid um, problems with glass. Then you know minimize it, but go to stainless steel and make sure that the stainless steel is super good, high quality because some stainless steel has high high nickel content in it. Um, and um, so that that's very important. What you eat and drink with, that you're not using plastic um, with. Uh, moms, um, you know, there's so many plastic items that moms get for their small children and babies, like um, sippy cups, for example. Um, and Life Factory makes a sippy cup with a, a silicone um, uh, spout. Silicone is is going to be probably one of the least toxic versions of some type of plastic. I kind of prefer if you could sort of do without the sippy cup from to begin with, <laughs> but that would be my preference for the least toxic if if you have to absolutely have to use a, a sippy cup. And they also make um, great uh, glass bottles with silicone sleeves for uh, baby bottles. Um, this could get into a whole discussion about silicone versus some other kind of nipple, but at least it's a start for for most people here listening that they, you know, really make an effort to go to glass as much as possible. That's the takeaway. Just go to glass as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that's the takeaway. No, there's no nonstick pan that's healthy, unfortunately. Um, that's really so you, bad news. Do you recommend? Um, do you recommend? Um, um, Cast iron? Yes. Cast iron, I, my favorite cast iron, if it's not, you know, enamel on cast iron, is um, vintage from the 50s uh, and 60s mm-hmm. because it has higher iron content and a lower nickel content. The newer cast iron tends to have more nickel in it. So if you can find them, and it doesn't matter how rusted out and grody it is, you can clean it up, believe it or not. There's Great internet sites for that, teaching you how to clean up nice old vintage cast iron. We have vintage cast iron. We use it a lot. The next, um, another really great thing is um, the enamel on cast iron, which would be like Le Crisette or um, the higher-end Staub, S-T-A-U-B. Um, there's also glass uh, cooking, um, cookware, believe it or not. There is, yeah. Get glass. There is. I never thought about it. Mm-hmm. So that would be, you know, a lot less expensive. And then stainless steel is fine as long as it's a good quality stainless steel. I would not go and get the rock bottom cheapest stainless steel because, again, it's going to have a high nickel content. Mm-hmm. All Clad is a great brand, uh, All Clad. If you can't really afford um, good stainless steel, then I would go to glass. Um, because you you know you don't want to you don't want to put a lot of nickel in your in your in your food, um, so that unfortunately the yeah the nonstick thing that's all plastic even the green versions they call them for some reason I don't know why they call it ceramic it's not ceramic it's polymer 
polymer is resin. Resin is plastic. So whenever you use a nonstick pan, even these newfangled versions that are called green, uh, you're basically cooking in plastic. And there's, you know, a long, long list of chemicals that come out of that. So I would avoid nonstick entirely. The enamel on cast iron works probably best for non less sticky but you know you just go to your healthy fats like coconut oil and and ghee mm-hmm. for example and do it cook the old fashioned way I was asked earlier today um, if you wanted to test your house for mold and I know that that can be I know that I have kits out there that you can do it yourself mm-hmm. what is the what is the better way of testing your house for molds? Well, um, this is a, 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 that's a big question, but mm-hmm. I'll kind of give the high-level answer with a caveat that there's, a, there's more to it than just ordering this kit. Um, if you're doing it yourself as opposed to having a mold inspector come in, um, I think the best way to test for the house is with the ERMI test, ER, Amazon Mary I. Or what ERMI tests are, it's not for mold spores. Mold spores of the, you know, the, the viable or the, the or the non-viable parts or whatever. Those are gathered through air testing by a professional. Um, some people try to use petri dishes. Those do not work. Um, mm-hmm. You're not really getting a true test. There's too many factors involved. Um, and you could miss a lot. But the ERMI test, if you really follow the directions very, very carefully, um, and, you and you know, you, you can still miss something if you don't know what you're doing. Er, people can do ERMI testing wrong. Um, and, and this is a longer discussion. It would be great to talk about that uh, in a future show on mold. But in general, what the ERMI tests do is they're testing for mycotoxins, which are the basically the, the the chemicals that the mold leaves behind, not the live mold spores. So they don't just give you what just happened. Let's just say you have like a, a water event and your basement flooded or you had a plumbing failure or something and it led to mold. If you do an ERMI test, it's not going to tell you just the mold that just happened. It's, a, it's actually going to give you a history of... of you know, anything that's happened in the house. Mycotoxins from from anywhere, any event over time. Um, so uh, it's a good way to tell if a house is, is really um, a big problem or not. Um, so that's what I would recommend for the do-it-yourself kind of thing. Um, and then maybe when we um, have our mold show, we can go into more on that. Okay. Yeah, cause some, like I said, someone asked me that this morning. I was just looking that up. It's, um, you know, one of the one of the clues is that, um, you know, you move into a house and you start getting ill, or you are you're you're ill and you leave the house on vacation. You feel better. You come back. You That's get sick right. again. You That's have to start right. thinking mold. Yeah, and then another thing that people can do just so you know easily is uh, close the house up, go away for the whole day. Turn off your air filters, of course. Come back in, and if you if you have somebody with a sensitive nose in the family, uh, come in. If you smell any mustiness at all, you have mold. 
the smell wouldn't be there if you didn't have mold. Um, I, I have some patients that are so sensitive to molds, I, I keep telling them they should hire themselves out as mold detectors. Yeah. So they, you know, I'm like, really? I mean, you know, why not make yeah. a few bucks? Yeah, you know, exactly. But it's, it some people are that. Huh? I know, but uh, just it was just a joke. But yeah, um, yeah. a lot of people really, really um, are that sensitive that they can tell. And uh, you can, you know, you can tell any kind of mustiness. That's right. Uh, and that means you're looking at mold. It absolutely you're looking, means you're looking at, at mold. Yeah. There's a, a guy that um, whose lecture I went to long ago, and he used to, he used to say, um, uh, if you have nose, if you have mold, it's in your nose. <laughs> so because basically the mold, the mold molecules are traveling to your nose, and that's where you find out there. So right. you are a meter, basically. And they can get stuck there, and they can take root, and there could be more cons, and it really can get a little right. bit ridiculous. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's beyond the scope of what we're chatting about. Um, you gave us a lot of basics, mm-hmm. okay? And um, what, if you were going to uh, keep this kind of as an overview, since we're getting on 10 of 9, Mm-hmm. Just let's keep it as an overview because I think what I'm going to ask everybody out there is to is to email me and let me know what your major questions are because I can I'm obviously we're, we're all saying that this is a massive subject okay yeah and um, I think um, and you're obviously the quintessential expert I and mean, there's no question about it so um, I think I'd really like to get everybody's opinion as to what it is they would like you to talk about what, what is most um, pressing on their minds. Okay. On, um, on, on keeping their, you know, uh, cleaning up their house. I do like the fact that uh, when you said something was green, it isn't necessarily green. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it, it's sort of like when you see the word organic on something doesn't necessarily mean it's organic. <laughs> okay. That's right. Not in That's the classical right. sense, you know? That's so, right. um, you don't really know what you're getting, even if you're going to stores that specialize in um, the um, uh, in, in organic things. And um, we haven't talked. If you could, um, someone's asking about EMFs. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could just spend a, a few minutes, kind of giving an overview about EMFs, because mm-hmm. uh, I know that's probably going to be an entire uh, podcast for us. Yeah, that would be really great to do. Um, well, just as an as an overview, the there there are really about five types of EMFs. Two of them are from wired sources, so that would be things that are plugged in, um, and the wires in the walls, and mm-hmm. the others are from wireless sources, and they would be from obviously cell phones, routers, uh, tablets. Uh, you know, uh, I, any anything, a computer of any kind. Um, so, you know, the, the whole idea of, of EMFs, most people focus right now on cell phones because that's what most people are using all the time. And, in fact, if you want a little preview into how to reduce your exposure from cell phones, um, I wrote an article um, on a website called safebaby.com. It's but there's no E in the safe, so it's just safbaby.com. It's an expert site, and I'm on their advisory board, and I write articles for them. And it's called Wake Up Call. 
and it's it's uh it's really you know the 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 real truth about cell phones and the problems and what to do about it and how to reduce your exposure um i would say in general i i think it's a a, a huge huge concern um especially for people who are trying to re- recover from illness because mm-hmm. And especially in the bedroom when you're sleeping, and that's the big takeaway here for today, and we'll talk more. But the big takeaway is make your bedroom pristine. Um, Unplug as much as you can and still have safety, obviously. Remove all devices from the bedroom. Anything that is wireless, like a a cell phone, uh, a tablet, should be in airplane mode or shut completely off, and if that's not possible, it needs to be 10 to 15 feet away from the bedroom uh, because that's how far out the field goes. Turn your router off at night completely. Um, And, you know, really try and start with that if you can so that uh, at least during the night you're giving your body a break because that's your most sensitive regenerative time. And I know, Dr. Jess, you know so much and teach so much about how important sleep is. Well, um, the same person asked about um, EMS is asking about smart meters. She says that yeah. her city is trying to install a smart water meter on her house. Um, I'm not exactly sure what a smart meter is. Okay. Uh, and uh, is it one of those electronic meters that, you know, puts EMFs into the house also? Yeah, smart meters, basically they're replacing the analog meters um, so that uh, they're, they're digital and they send a signal to the utility basically saying how much energy you're using so that no meter man has to come by and look at your meter anymore. So this smart meter is um, communicating uh, between your house and the utility, and it does that through radio frequency. Um, it also communicates with the appliances in the house if there's a chip inside the appliance. So, you know, it's it's a pretty serious thing for a lot of people. Not all areas of the country have the worst smart meters. Not all of the manufacturers make them the same way, so some are worse than others. But if somebody is ha- doesn't have a smart meter yet, and um, ch- uh, I would say try first to opt out. It will cost money. They'll probably charge you about 75 bucks to opt out. And then there will be a slight, uh, an increase to your bill. Uh, probably, I think it's usually about ten bucks a month uh, as an increase because a meter man is going to, a meter person is going to have to come and look at your meter uh, so that your bill is accurate. But opt out first. Uh, find out if if the utility will do that, um, and and be proactive about it. If uh, if if you don't even know when they're coming, do it now. Don't wait until. It's already happened because they actually will change it out without telling you. Um, you just come home and you have a new smart meter. That's how it works. <laughs> They'll just walk up and change it. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. They will. They will. So preferably try and avoid it if you can, and we can talk more about the, you know, what to do if you have one in, in another show. Well, we're getting on an hour here, and if there's anybody who has um, a question that would like to call in, it's 646-595-2277. That's 646-595-2277. And if you're on the chat room, uh, go ahead and type. I see somebody's typing already. Uh, it's interesting. Um, 
we're, yeah, let's do it. And person just right. Let's do an EMF show sometime. So I think we have a we have a show. I, I think what we're going to end up having to do, Mary, is doing uh, over the next several months doing progressive shows on different mm-hmm. subjects that we can mm-hmm. delve into um, more deeply. What do you think? Oh, I would love to do that. If if you want to do that, it would be my pleasure. I'd I'd really enjoy oh, that. I'd, I'd love to do it because uh, what I'm hearing as as you're talking is that you're you're skimming over everything, which is great because I asked I asked for an overview, but I can see that there's lots and lots and lots of areas that really need to be deeply, um, mm-hmm. you know, and we can we can um, uh, advertise it as you know we're going to have a show on EMS and a show on um, whatever it happens to be that. You know, then we then you can really, you know, attack. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's just there's yeah. just too much for for you know, for a single show. I didn't I didn't honestly didn't realize the uh, the length and breadth of what it is you did. Uh, but boy, can I see it now. And well, thank uh, you. Uh, obviously, this took many 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 years to get um to get this level of um level of expertise. So, how about we consider um you know, doing things at whatever intervals work for you because, um, you know, I'm, um, you know, between my traveling and stuff like that, I can either, uh, do the show or actually Kristen or Jennifer, my assistants can do the show also. Mm -hmm. Um, but this can be, um, you know, this is valuable information, very valuable information. And, um, once it starts getting around that you're going to be one of our, um, regular guests, I think, um, you're going to probably get more questions than you know what to deal with. <laughs> that's so, what I, uh, that's uh, my life. <laughs> I, I know the feeling. So when people want to ask questions, they need, they need to get in touch with you. How do they go about doing so? Well, there's, there's a few ways to work for people who, who, um, you know, really want to just read and, and do some things on their own first. They can go to my website, which is marycordaro.com. So it's M A R Y C O R. D is in David, A-R-O dot com. And there's two places to get um, helpful information and, you know, real practical tips. One is the blog, which is a link for the blog on the website. And then there, mm-hmm. the other is a place called Learn. And um, lots and lots of free information and tips, you know, real practical information. It's not just uh, general um, so that's the first place to start for people who who want help with their homes. Um, as I said, I I work uh, locally and remotely with people everywhere. So you just give us a call or email us, and um, uh, our my office will help uh, explain how I work and the rates and you know basically how, how it all works here and what I do. And then you know we can work together uh, on phone consults. And you do work internationally, right? Yes, I do. So I have a mm-hmm. lot of patients in Canada and in the uh, United Kingdom, so mm-hmm. they're going to be listening to this. Great. Very good. Wonderful. Well, Mary, I really appreciate your time tonight. This is, um, and it looks like we're going to become great friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That would be really you know, so great. <laughs> perhaps uh, either email me later on tonight or tomorrow as to your availability. And I'll okay. just start plugging. I'll plug them in, um, and um, you know I'll hear from our um, our listeners, but uh, about what they're looking for. Obviously, we're going to do a show on EMFs uh, or any shows that you think that we should uh, target. 
Um, there was one thing that I thought uh, was really good. Nesting redefined. Why is it best to clean up your home before making aesthetic changes? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, these kind of things I think would be entire shows worth of information, yeah. you know, and um, I think uh, we should get together and, and kind of, you know, just let me know whatever times you have, you know, believe me, uh, this is wonderful information and um Whatever time you want to give me, I'll take. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, and I'm happy to do that. I'm really, really thrilled. And I'm really excited to hear, you know, what's on the minds of your of your listeners and patients. I'd really love to know, you know, what they are dying to know about. So, um, well, that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be sending out, you know, on the blogs, what do you know? Um, I'm going to ask people to start listening to the show and Great. then give me feedback. And this, I have to tell you something. I have some really, really, really excellent, excellent patients and excellent, um, you know, bloggers. And uh, they'll let us know exactly what is on their Good. minds. You start seeing the uh, the conglomeration of things. You start seeing what people are really um, – mm-hmm. everybody's asking about EMFs. We know we do an EMF show, you know. And I know that the uh, non-toxic cleaning products or, you know, the um, non-toxic um, cooking products and so forth, you know, there's certain things that we – think about but we say okay well, that's not a problem and people yeah. don't realize the um, you know xenoestrogens and you know that's what that right. can be doing and that's a big problem even more than um, like estrogen dominance it's the amount of estrogens we're throwing into us exactly okay, that's really really what the basis of cancer is that's you know right. and um, you know if we can we actually have control over that we, uh, we just have to know where that control is exactly and, exactly uh, how to yeah. use it that's right. That's a really good point. Thank you. So we are uh, going to be best friends over the next year. <laughs> oh, boy, lucky stuff. me. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, it's thank you so honor. much for your time. It really is. Seriously, thank, thank you for Thank you your for time. having me. I really enjoyed yeah. it, and I look forward to doing it soon. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon, okay? Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Everybody, that was Mary Cardero. Uh, as you can see, she is the quintessential expert in, um, she's been in environmental, um, environmental consulting. And, uh, I didn't even realize myself the length and breadth of her training. And, um, when I asked her to uh, do this show, um, you know, I thought we just talked a little bit about environmental stuff, but, uh, now I realize it is a massive field. And, uh, you know, since Mary has offered, and uh, she's obviously an incredible expert, uh, we're going to take advantage of that. So uh, other people who are going to be listening to the archive, uh, I'll put it out on the blogs. Um, I already know that um, there's a desire for an EMF show sometime. Uh, that will probably be our next one. But anybody who listens to our uh, listens to our uh, <clears throat> podcast and has some ideas of what they'd like to hear in this area, Okay, this is, uh, you know, we should take advantage of the people who want to give up their expertise. And uh, Mary, obviously, is a major expert. I mean, I, you heard me typing and scribbling what I was doing, was taking notes, you know. Because, oh, my, I didn't realize certain things, you know. So I'm, I'm never ashamed to say that I, uh, that I learned stuff, you know, because uh, nobody can know everything. Uh, so anyway, for next week, we have a real special guest. Um, we are going to have the creator... Hold on. Here it is. We're going to have the creator uh, of the <clears throat> the founder of the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Certification Course, uh, Reed Davis, who's a certified nutritional therapist. 
I'm going to be interviewing him, so this will be a remote interview, and I'll be replaying it next week. Uh, Rita served as the health director and case manager at the Better Health and Wellness Center in Poway, California, for over 15 years, and he teaches a course in functional lab work and holistic lifestyle coaching. And frankly, uh, the people who are certified in functional diagnostic nutrition, as uh, our Kristen is and uh, Jennifer is going to be working with us, um, there's over 25 hundred trainees in 50 countries and this is an excellent course i have to tell you and the man who created it whose vision this is we're going to be uh, interviewing okay i'm very very honored to have him on the show and you're going to be listening to him uh, next week and at the bottom of his um, bio here says something very significant to me he says i am not a guru and neither are you i'm like very good i like it uh also uh dr jess is going to be uh, lecturing at shaikhan 2016 which is Dr. Ben Lynch's uh, conference uh, at the, I think it's uh, April 21st and 22nd, 23rd, 24th. Okay, uh, if people are interested in going to that particular um, conference, you go to seekinghealth.org and you can sign up. Uh, it's mainly for healthcare practitioners, but uh, tell your healthcare practitioners this is going to be an incredible conference because it's going to basics. Okay, instead of teaching, well, we're going to be teaching a lot of information. But it's going to go how to apply the information to better create uh, better outcomes for your patients and to better diagnose. And uh, I'm doing the lecture on history, okay, and taking a history. There's going to be plenty of science, but I'm teaching the lost art. And I even found found out the way that I'm going to do it. I'm going to say, Dr. Jess Armand in the lost art, and I'm playing the Indiana Jones uh, introduction. I've even got an Indiana Jones hat to wear. Okay. Uh, also, uh, you should know that I'll be in the United Kingdom again at the end of May um, for two weeks. I'll be uh, seeing patients and I'm doing a uh, course, an introductory course for healthcare providers on June 1st. They can uh, e email us and I will give you the information. I'll be in uh, Manchester for a week and then Herefordshire uh, and then um, in September. Okay. It's probably going to get a little nuts, so I'm bringing uh, Sean with me. And uh, we're going to be, because every time we go there, we're getting more and more and more people that we're treating. And uh, we're looking to train uh, healthcare providers in our thought paradigm because this is what works. This is what gets people better. So uh, for our friends in the United Kingdom, um, I'll be in Manchester at the end of uh, May uh, to the first week of June. And then after that in Herefordshire. And um, lots of good things are happening here. Lots of good things are happening here. We are, you know, aligning with other people. We have um, uh, Jennifer Savage and Kristen uh, Kodiani, our uh, intrepid uh, office manager, who is also a um, certified in functional diagnostic nutrition. Uh, you can now consult with them and and me at the same time, or just with me, or just with them. Uh, if you go back, to, if you go to the website, you'll see there's all kinds of different packages that you can get, which has expanded our. Um, treatment abilities, okay, because uh, we all have our different expertises, and I'd like you to look into that and ask whatever questions you have. Give us an opinion. Let us know what's going on. And um, again, I want to thank Mary Codera for being on tonight, and I'm looking forward to seeing you all again next week, okay? So um, don't ever forget that if nobody tells you they love you today, Dr. Jess does, and I will catch up with you guys next week. Keep smiling. Getting from there to here It's been a long time
See you all next week. Take care.